This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Hey, this is a fantastic day. It really is. It is the greatest of all holidays because going to heaven, being forgiven, hinges upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And what I want to talk about this morning, just a wee bit, is like, well, I've already said it a few times, but this changes everything. Changes everything. And when you think about it, you know, um, I, I uh, picked these up on the side of my yard last night before I came to the service. I just went ahead and cut them over my knife real quick and put them in there. And it's just like, you know what? The sap is rising. And with the sap rising, there's little buds and there's little leaves and there's little flowers coming. And before you know it, you're going to have fruit on trees and, and vegetables on plants and all because the sap is rising. Uh, the, the sap changes everything in this world that looks so barren during the wintertime, you know. And the rising of Jesus Christ from the dead, it changes everything. Genuinely changes everything, especially for those who believe. But there's an old hymn that we used to sing. It goes, Up from the grave he arose With a mighty triumph for his foes He arose a victor of the dark domain And he lives forever with the saints to reign He arose Everything, everything. And there's this ongoing transformation, this change that is going on in our lives. It says here in Titus chapter 1, verse 1 in the Message Bible. I, Paul, am God's slave and Christ's agent for promoting the faith among God's chosen people. Getting out the accurate word the on accurate God. The accurate word on God. And how to respond rightly to it. My aim. And, and you understand aim. Whether you're taking a basketball and you're aiming for the hoop or you caught a football and you're ready to pass it to the guy who's going to catch it and make a touchdown. You know, whatever method you use for aiming, you're trying to hit a particular mark. you got a purpose. And he says, my aim. Is to raise hopes. Is to raise hopes. And hope is what? A confident expectation for the future. And he says, My aim is to raise hopes by pointing the way to life without end. Wow. My, 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 my aim is pointing the way to life without end. Eternal life. Everlasting life. And, and whether you ever heard Billy Graham preach or not, you know, Billy Graham is experiencing that eternal life he preached so much about while he was on this planet. You know, my, my grandmother on, on my mom's side, you know, and my mom's been here with us for almost a year now. Uh, but my grandmama, she is experiencing that everlasting, that eternal life. My, my dad's experiencing that, that life. And, and your mom and dad are experiencing that eternal, everlasting life that's been provided for us because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And scores 
of, of friends uh, from, from here and, and family. And, and, you know, they're experiencing that life in all of its fullness, eternal life that has been provided to us because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is the life God promised long he, ago. He promised it. And he has already fulfilled it for so many. And one day, those who put their trust in him will experience all that he has prepared for us and, as well. And he doesn't break promises. No, he doesn't break a promise. God has never broken a promise that he has made to his children. John 3, verse 14 says, In the same way that Moses lifted the serpent in the desert, so people could have something to see and then believe. And if you remember Moses, uh, he was leading the Israelites out of the bondage of Egypt, and they got to complaining and moaning and groaning and bellyaching. There's a powerful lesson in that. You know, and these snakes came out from underneath all the rocks and, off, and would bite them, and they were highly venomous. And people were dying, and they cried out, and, and God told Moses, you know, make this big tall pole and you put this serpent on there to remind them what was going on, their complaints and all. But if they were, when they were bitten by a snake, if they look at the pole that was lifted up high, high in, in the middle of the camp, there were millions of people there. And if they would look at the pole that was lifted up high, the venom would lose its power and they'd be healed just by looking up at that. But you know what? Ah, What's looking up at a, at a pole have to do with anything? I ain't going to do that. And they died on the spot. They genuinely did. So faith is a real deal. And you know what? Their faith in obeying Almighty God, it just neutralized that venom. And I'll tell you, when you and I look to Christ, it neutralizes the venom of our sin. And it changes everything. Genuinely does. Verse 15 says, And everyone who looks up to... Oh, I didn't read it all, did I? Let me start from the first page again. <laughs> in the I'm same way that on. Moses lifted the serpent in the desert so people could have something to see and then believe, it is necessary for the Son of Man to be lifted up. And, and Jesus was lifted up on a cross. That pole was the same kind of a thing of Jesus would be lifted up and he was lifted up. And then three you know, days later, we know that he was lifted up through the resurrection. And everyone who looks up to him, trusting and expectant, will gain a real life. Real. Eternal life. Eternal life. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why. So that no one no one need be destroyed. No one perish. No one be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone. And what percentage is anyone? 100%. By believing in Jesus, 100% of the population. Anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son. Jesus. Merely to point an accusing finger telling the world how bad it was, he came to help to put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Acquitted, pardoned, forgiven. Whoever trusts in the risen Savior is forgiven. That's what he's talking about. That's what he's talking about. Jesus did not come 
just so he could point a finger at you. He is not mad at you. Uh, Jesus did not come to point an accusing finger at you and condemn you, and he came to forgive us. That's what it's really all about, you know. There was an article I was reading about this pastor at his first church and his wife, and he said, as we begin to pastor our first church, my wife, Lori, and I discovered we were going to have a third child. Several weeks later, Lori was going through her clothes, which no longer fit, and, and watching her, our five-year-old son, asked, Mom, now that you're going to have a baby, are you going to have to wear eternity clothes again? <laughs> are you guys wearing your eternity clothes? <laughs> well, it's, it's the robes of righteousness that have been cleansed and washed in the blood of Jesus. I guess when we're wearing our eternity clothes, we are expecting, right? Yes, we are expecting to see him face to face one day. That's absolutely, positively the truth. And if you'll remember what Jesus said as he's hanging on that cross, you know, and he said, Father, this is the very reason that Jesus came. He said, Father, forgive them. Those who gave me this horrible beating before I came to the cross, those who have bashed this crown of thorns down on my head, and those who have pierced my my wrist with those spikes in my feet and, and thrust this sword into my, my heart. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. There was not a mean bone or nerve or muscle in Jesus' body. He came to forgive us and to pardon us. It's just, it just takes, we got to believe it and we got to receive it. You know, it tells us in Romans, I don't think I have it in the scripture here, but in Romans 8, no, Romans 10, 9, he tells us, he said, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. That's what I'm talking about. These two ingredients, you got to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you got to believe that Father raised him from the dead. Raised him from the dead. If you don't believe in the resurrection, you can't be saved. You, you, you can't be forgiven if you don't believe in the resurrection because Jesus came here to pay for your sins. And, and the guarantee that Papa God received the payment that Jesus made was when Jesus rose from the dead, Father says, I receive payment for the sins of mankind because Jesus, <clears throat> he paid for it all. Colossians 1 verse 21 says, you were once far away from God. All, all of us. We all were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Romans 3.23 says, for everyone has sinned. Everyone. And what percentage is that again? 100%. 100% of the men and women in this building, those watching online, those on this planet, wherever they may be, everyone has sinned. We've all sinned. We were born with sinful blood going through our veins. So sin was dominating us. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. And you know what God's glorious standard is? Is that we'd be like Jesus. We all fall short of being like Jesus. He tells we've all sinned. And... That's just the truth of it. 
It's a horrible thing to realize, but that's the truth of it. We've all sinned and we fall short. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems right to a man. It, it, it seems right. There's ways that appear to be right. Our, our school systems do all kinds of things that to them it seems and appears to be right. And we know it's not right. And there's a lots of things that goes on in this world and it seems right. And, and that just happens with, with mankind. And he says that there's a way that seems right to a man. But its end is the way of death. But it ends. In death, it's, it's the way of death. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. And, and that means the wages is... is I venture to say, unless you're retired right now, you know, but you, you have expected and have been given wages in your lifetime, right? Mm-hmm. How many of you like wages? About three of you. What the rest of you going to do? <laughs> How are you going to pay your bills, you know? But when it says the wages of sin is death, that's payday for sin, and that's death. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So you got a choice to receive your wages or receive a free gift. Mm. Make your choice. What you want? The free gift. I'm going for the free gift. It's called eternal life. That's what I'm going for, you know, and it's through Christ Jesus our Lord, the risen Savior. That's what I'm talking about. Colossians chapter 1 verse 22 says, Yet now he has reconciled you to himself. Reconciled. That means reunited, you know, you. To himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. And if you'll remember, uh, you probably saw a movie somewhere along the line, read a book about a, a king and he has a son. And his son, you know, they would call him a prince. And you're never really supposed to hit a prince. You're never to spank his royal behind, even if he needs it. But what they would do, usually get some kid off of the street somewhere, you know, and they would take good care of him. But he would be referred to as a whipping boy. And he lived with the prince, did everything with the prince. And anytime the prince disobeyed his parents, he was a rebel or whatever else, to try to teach the prince right from wrong, they would bring the whipping boy in and they would give him a good whipping because of what the prince had done and hope that the prince would become aware of that his sin and disobedience was inflicting pain uh, upon this whipping boy. And that's what he was referred to as a whipping boy. And, and you need to understand that Jesus was our whipping boy. He took the punishment for our sins. He, he never did anything wrong. But he took the punishment for our sins. And it says here, Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. Jesus, he, he, he took the punishment for us. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Not even one fault. We had sin, but he was our whipping boy, and he took the punishment, and he forgave us. It says, without 
a single fault? Uh, that means we're faultless, that, that we've been forgiven. And, and that is the message of resurrection uh, weekend is about you've been forgiven. You have been forgiven. He was forsaken. You remember what, when the father, you know, was looking upon his son you know, at, at one point in time? And Jesus, he said, as he's hanging on the cross, he said, Father, why have you forsaken me? Because of the sin, our sin that he took and he paid for. First John chapter 1 verse 7 says, The blood of Jesus, God's son, cleanses. Cleanses. The blood of Jesus cleanses. It, it, it purifies. It forgives us. The blood of Jesus, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. How much sin? All sin. And what percentage is all? 100%. No matter what it is that you have done, no matter the sin that you, you uh, did by not doing something that you should have done, he says, the shed blood of Jesus Christ cleanses, he purifies, he forgives us of 100% of our sin. That is what brings about a change. It changes everything. Uh, guilt should not be residing in you no longer. It changes everything. But you must continue to believe this truth. And, and this is coming from over here in uh, Colossians chapter 1. Verse 23. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Continue to believe the truth, what Christ has done for us. How many can ride a bicycle? I didn't ask if you want to ride one right now because you'd probably rather drive your car, but you can ride a bicycle. And what happens when you stop pedaling your bicycle? You fall over. You fall over. Well, let's don't stop believing. He says you must continue. It's like pedaling. You must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. Don't drift away. Continue to believe it. Hold fast. He says, stand firmly in this truth. There's an interesting article I came across some time ago. Dr. Carl Manninger, the famed psychiatrist, once said that if he could convince the patients in psychiatric hospitals that their sins were forgiven... Now, this is a specialist. And if he could convince the patients in psychiatric hospitals that their sins were forgiven, 75% of them could be cured and walk out the next day. Wow. That's amazing. When you think of, about it, the guilt of sin, it works against our minds. It, it works against us because we can't shake it. But God can change it. He genuinely can change it, and he wants to change it. He wants to forgive us. He wants to pardon us. He wants to cleanse us. You know, uh, amputees, they, they often experience what is referred to as a phantom limb syndrome. And if they've lost a limb, whether it's an arm or a leg, there's times when they're laying in bed or even sitting on the couch over there, they feel it as if it's still there. Some of them feel pain in it, and it itches or, or something. They feel that leg 
or that arm is still there. And it's a, it's a serious, you know, thing that happens to people at times. It's called the phantom limb syndrome. But Christians can be obsessed by the memory of their past sin. And we would call that the phantom sin syndrome because it continues to hurt you. The guilt of it and the shame of it continues to hurt your body, crippling your devotional life with the the Lord and crippling relationships with God and and with other people. And and we live in this uh, fear that we're going to be discovered for what we've done in our past. And, and it just kind of cripples us, you know, and we work overtime, you know, trying to remove the guilt and the shame. We're trying to remove it because it hurts us so bad, but you can't remove it. But I can tell you who can, and his name is Jesus. And there's a passage that's found in 1 John 1, 9. But if we confess our sins to him. Confess means to admit, to declare when we admit, when we declare our sins to him, no longer hiding them, but when we confess it, we admit it, we declare our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from every wrong. And again, every is a percentage. And what percentage is it? 100 percent. Can you imagine that God promises to forgive us, to forgive us? And to cleanse us from every wrong? You go, well, well, maybe all, but not, th- this is one that I, I, and there's that phantom sin syndrome. We think, well, that one's too big for Christ to forgive. That's not so. He forgives us when we ask him and we confess our sins to him. That's what he tells us, you know. And this n- new life, this forgiveness offered to us is it's much like uh, what they call this metamorphosis that takes place in the caterpillar. You know, this, this transformation, that grubby little old caterpillar crawling across the ground, you know. And then he makes this little cocoon and, and he hangs out in there for a little while. But when he comes out, there's a metamorphosis that takes place. There's this change. There's this transformation. He doesn't look the same anymore. He looks beautiful, you know. He's got these little antennas and and he's got these beautiful, colorful wings, and he's light as a feather, and he can fly now. There is a metamorphosis that takes place, just like it takes place in us, you know? And it, it changes everything. And, and when you and I believe what the Bible says, and when we receive what he has promised us, it, it changes everything. Now, here's a question for you. Could you use some change in your life? And all you guys watching online, could, could you use some change? You, you think about that. And listen to what he says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Anyone who belongs to Christ. That's the risen Christ. Has become a new person. A new person. Is there anybody here who could use some new? Yes. New. And you're thinking, well, I can use a new car. I can use a new pair of shoes. I, could, I can use some new stuff, but... Mostly, we just need new what Christ provides in our soul, in our heart, in our, our, our being. He said, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new 
person. Have you surrendered? And have you welcomed Christ into your heart yet? You know? The old life is gone. That means it's departed. That means it's, it's vanished. When, when Christ comes in and, and you belong to him, you know, the old life, everything you have ever done that would nag at you and be guilt and shame and, and have that phantom sin syndrome, he says the old life is gone. A new life has begun. And, and that's what we see there in John 3 about being born again. A new life has begun. Romans 8 verse 1 says, So now there is no condemnation. There's no guilt. Now there is no condemnation. There is no guilt. For those who belong to Christ Jesus. Wow. For those who belong to Christ Jesus. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to one of these uh, grocery stores or not, or to a restaurant. I kind of like them when I see them. And it says on the menu, it says, guilt-free. Guilt-free. And you can eat some things that you were thinking that you couldn't eat, but it says, guilt-free. I mean, we're into guilt-free, right? See, I'm allergic to wheat, so I'm kind of gluten-free. But if other things that you would eat and it would make you feel guilty... If you could eat guilt-free stuff, that'd be pretty cool. We like to be free of guilt, don't we? Yes. Well, that's what it is in in this fantastic relationship with uh, Jesus. And I'm talking about a condemnation-free zone. No condemnation allowed because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of of sin that leads to death. Verse 18, we was reading over here. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, And all of this is a gift from God, who brought us back to himself through Christ. Through his death, through his burial, and through his resurrection, we have been brought back to God through Jesus Christ. In the early part of this century, a group of lawyers met in England to discuss the biblical accounts of Jesus' resurrection. They wanted to see if sufficient information was available to make a case that would hold up in an English court of law. When their study was completed, they published the results of their investigation. They concluded that Christ's resurrection was one of the most well-established facts in all history. That, that it was established. There was so much evidence that Jesus did rise from the dead. There was more evidence for that than anything else that they have ever seen in history. Now, I was reading about a kindergarten teacher who was uh, determining how much biblical training her new students had. So while talking with one little boy to whom the story of Jesus was obviously brand new, she began relating Jesus' death on the cross. And, and when asked what a cross was, she picked up some sticks and she fashioned a crude cross and she explained that Jesus was actually nailed to a cross and she explained that Jesus had died upon a cross. And the little boy with his eyes downcast quietly acknowledged, oh, that's too bad. He was hearing it for the first time. 
In the very, in her very next breath, however, she related that he rose from the dead. Jesus came back to life and his little eyes got as big as saucers. And he lit up and exclaimed, totally awesome, man. Totally awesome. I think he would get along really well with the guy we talked about last week who was singing hot dog for Jesus. You know, they had that same mentality. You really don't know the full identity of Jesus if your response is, oh, oh, that's too bad. That's, that's too bad. Jesus was on the cross just for a very short period of time and he wants you to remember that it's empty because he did raise from the dead. You, you really know him if your description of Jesus is totally awesome, man, totally awesome. And that should be a sincere a reality in our own lives. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Can you imagine somebody saying that? There's something going on in them. They feel the that uh, phantom sin syndrome. They feel the guilt and the shame. And they're going, I want to know Christ. I want to experience the mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead. I want to experience that resurrection power. And it totally changes everything in your life. And it is available for each and every one of us to experience that resurrection power. As, as this guy is saying that to us, you know, I want to know Christ. And you can know him in a personal way. I want to experience the resurrection power to raise him from the dead. Not long before she died in 1988, in a moment of surprising candor in television, Marganita Lasky, one of our best-known secular humanists and novelists, said, What I envy most about you Christians is your forgiveness. I have nobody to forgive me. How sad is that? You don't believe in God, and you go through life carrying your guilt and your shame. And, and you have nobody to forgive you. And God, our creator, he's given us his word. And he tells us all about Jesus. And we celebrate the wonderful, wonderful holiday. You know, what we call Easter, it's resurrection. That Jesus rose from the dead after he paid for our sins. And he's forgiven us. Psalms 32, verse 1. Oh, what joy for those whose rebellion is forgiven. Oh, would it give you joy to know you're forgiven? Yes. Well, somebody came along and said, you know what? All the debts that you owe, they're forgiven. Would it make you go, well, whoopee-doo. Totally awesome, man. Totally <laughs> awesome. And when you know that you have been forgiven, totally awesome. Oh, what joy for those whose rebellion is forgiven. Whose sin is put out of sight. Your sin is put out of sight. Because see, forgiveness is literally a miracle. God vanishes your sin. He puts it out of sight. It's gone. It's to have no more impact upon your life in any way. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. Oh, 
man. Record. Oh, I'll tell you something about records. I don't know about you or not. This is a very old and very faded. I'm just going to let you see the outside and not the inside of it. This is a, a Lancaster, South Carolina, where I went to junior high and high school. It's a city school report card envelope, and it's mine. And I'm ashamed of the grades that I made in all my subjects when I was in the seventh grade, you know. And uh, it says parent signature, and it says return this envelope to school at once. Your parents didn't sign it at all. I don't think I showed it to them. <laughs> I was going to try to sign it and turn it in, but my handwriting was pretty lousy, so they would have probably figured that out. So I figured the safest thing was just not to return it to school. That was a long time ago, and I've been forgiven since that. Have you ever had teachers intimidate you? And this is the way I had teachers, and I'm serious. Almost in every class I've ever taken, in every grade, they would intimidate me because, Ronnie, that's going on your permanent record. And everybody, whoever wants to hire you, they're going to see your permanent record. Every class I went to, it was like, oh, no, not the permanent record. But they would threaten me with, that's going to go on your permanent record. And, and it did impact my life. Not this one. No. <laughs> well, that one didn't go on the permanent record. But it says you were promoted. I was promoted. And you would wonder what miracle took place when you see the grades on that thing. <laughs> you got to understand, I thought a D was a very good grade. But you know what? Uh, let's read this next passage here. If we could, just read that once again. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared. Thank you, sin. almighty God. He's cleared the record that was against me. He's, he's cleared the record of sin. And the permanent record, it ain't there no more. Let's read Colossians chapter 2. Verse 14. He canceled the record that contained the charges against us. He took it and destroyed it by, by nailing, nailing it, it to, to Christ's cross. He took my permanent record of all my sins and any and everything I've ever done, and he nailed it to the cross. And it was vanished from me forever. He forgave, he pardoned, and everything changed in my life when he took that permanent record away. I'm not fearful. I'm not intimidated about our record of the past anymore. And you don't ever have to be either because of what Christ has done for you. Hebrews 9.26 says, He sacrificed himself once and for all, summing up all the other sacrifices in this sacrifice of himself. The final solution of sin. There is a solution for sin. Lots of people, well, you just have to live with that, you know. Nope. The final solution of sin is Jesus Christ. The risen Savior is what I'm talking about. The sacrifice that Jesus made is a solution for our sins. He washes them away. He cleanses them, and it changes everything in our life. 
Romans chapter 3, verse 26, it says, And he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Hmm. Do you believe in Jesus? Yes. He says sinners will be right in God's sight when you believe. You've got to believe what he says. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, he says, will be saved. Finally, I confessed all my sins to All you. my sins. And, and if, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't, I don't think most of us can remember all of our sins, can we? Can, can you all remember each one that you've ever committed? No. So sometimes we just got to do the blanket plan, you know. <laughs> Papa God, I, I don't remember. But I just confess that I've done lots of things I shouldn't have done. And you promised to forgive. And, and I'm sorry for it all. And, and I receive your pardon and your forgiveness right now. And he says there. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you. And not, not to a religious person, not to a religious man, not to a priest. He says, finally, this has bothered me so much, I confess all my sins to you. And stopped trying to hide them. Because you can't hide your sins from God. I just confessed them. Stop trying to hide them. Confess them to God alone. Because he is the one who can do something about it. I said to myself, I will confess. I, I will admit. I, I, I will declare my rebellion. To the Lord and you forgave me. My rebellion. That, that mutiny. That we wanted to overthrow his his command over our lives, a revolution, an uprising. He says, I will confess my rebellion, you know, to the Lord. And what? And you forgave me. Because we confessed it to him. He forgave us, you know. And let me tell you something about my closet. <clears throat> Don't nobody run to my house and look at it, okay, right now? <clears throat> oh, this is pretty cluttered. You know, the floor is cluttered. Stuff hanging on the hangers is cluttered. There's more stuff in the closet than should be in the closet. You know, it's pretty cluttered mess. But I can tell you one thing, it's not in my closet. And that's a skeleton. You ever heard people talk about a skeleton in your closet? Mm -hmm. That's of guilt and that's a shame of your past. Because see, when you go to the almighty God, he, he removes the skeletons from your closet. I don't think God... Cares too much about a cluttered closet. But he's the only one who can remove the skeleton, the guilt and the shame of it. So let's uh, read that part again. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide them. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. All my guilt is gone. You know, Christ died... For us, and, and that's, that's, everybody knows historically that Christ died, right? Christ died, that's history. He died for me, he, for, for, for us, that's Christianity. But then when he just died for me, that's, that's called salvation, you know. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. What a God we have. Oh, what a God we have. 
And how fortunate we are to have him, this father of our master Jesus. He's crazy about you. He loves you. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a new life. A brand new life. A brand new life. A brand new life. Not just an old repossessed, you know, try to kind of rebuild. No, a brand new life. And have everything to live for. We have everything to live for. Including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. The future starts now. If, if you've never really believed and received in the risen Savior, the future starts right now. Because that's where eternal life starts. When you first welcome him into your life, you receive him. You believe and you receive him. And it begins at that moment. That's when eternal life starts. Genuinely, that's, that's where it starts. And, and you think about this. What he has in store for us. The future starts now. The moment we invite him into our life. No more phantom sin syndrome. John chapter 14 verse 6 says. Jesus told him, I am the way. Hmm, and there is only one, one way. And that's to get into heaven. There's only one way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. But you can come to him. You can get to the Father in heaven through Jesus, and you can do it right now. When you believe in him, Jesus is the door. And only through Jesus will you ever get into heaven. That's what the Bible tells us. God is keeping careful watch over us and the future. The day is coming when you'll have it all. The day is coming. It's talking about you when you'll have it all. The, the day is coming when you'll have it all. Life healed and whole. I know how great this makes you feel. Even though you must put up with every kind of aggravation in the meantime. You ever have much aggravation here on earth? We got to put up. Don't look at your spouse when I say that. <laughs> you ever have any aggravation? Well, we got to put up with a lot of aggravation in this world. But we got to know this is, this is a short period of time that the Bible says we're pilgrims and we're passing through. Looking for the city whose builder and maker is God. Luke 24, 47 in the Message Bible says, A total life change. Total life change. Through the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed in his name to all nations. Wow. 1 Peter 1.3 in the message says, What a God we have. What a God we have. He is the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He is the keeper of creation and the creator of all. He is the architect of the universe and the manager of all times. He always was and always is and always will be unmoved, unchanged, undefeated, and never undone. He was bruised and brought healing. He was pierced and eased pain. He was persecuted and brought freedom. He was dead and brought life. He is risen and brings power. He reigns and brings peace. 
The world can't understand him. The armies can't defeat him. The schools can't explain him. The leaders can't ignore him. Herod couldn't kill him. The Pharisees couldn't confuse him. And the people couldn't hold him. Nero couldn't crush him. Hitler couldn't silence him. The new age can't replace him. Talk show hosts can't explain him away. He is light, love, longevity, and Lord. He is goodness, kindness, gentleness, and God. He is holy, righteous, mighty, powerful, and pure. His ways are right. His word is eternal. His will is unchanging, and his mind is on me. He is my redeemer. He is my savior. He is my God, and he is my peace. He is my joy, and he is my comfort. He is my Lord and he rules my life. I serve him because his bond is love. His burden is light. His goal for me is abundant. I follow him because he is the wisdom of the wise, the power of the powerful. He's the ancient of days and the ruler of rulers, the leader of leaders, the overseer of the overcomers, and the sovereign Lord of all that was and is and is to come. And if that seems impressive to you, well, try this on for size. His goal is a relationship with me. You can claim it as your own as well. But his goal is a relationship with me. He will never leave me, never forsake me, never mislead me, never forget me, never overlook me. Never cancel my appointment in his appointment book. When I fall, he lifts me up. When I confess failure, he forgives. When I am weak, he is strong. When I am lost, he is the way. When I am afraid, he is my courage. When I stumble, he steadies me. When I am hurt, he heals me. When I am broken, he mends me. When I am blind, he leads me. When I am hungry, he feeds me. When I face trials... He is with me. When I face persecution, he shields me. When I face problems, he comforts me. And when I face loss, he provides for me. When I face death, he carries me home. He is everything for everybody, everywhere, every time, and every way. He is God. He is faithful. I am his, and he is mine. My Father in heaven can whip the father of this world. So if you're wondering why I feel so secure... Understand this. He said it, and that settles it. God is in control. I am on his side. That means all is well with my soul. Listen to what it says here in Psalms 103, verse 1. It says, bless, which means to praise. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not. And that means not even one. Forget not all his benefits, and they are many. Don't forget one of his benefits. Verse 3 says, who forgives all of our iniquities, who heals all of our diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. 
Micah chapter 7 verse 19 says, Once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet. You, you will trample our sins under your feet. And throw them into the depths of the ocean. Oh, wow. The Bible says God will tramp all of our sins under his feet and throw them into the depths, the deepest part of the ocean. And I have a little sneaking suspicion. I believe that God puts a big old sign out there where your sins have been thrown into the seven-mile-deep spot in the ocean there, and it's a sign up there that says no fishing. Don't ever go fishing for someone else's sin. You want someone fishing for yours? So they can put it in the newspaper and they can tell this and they can tell, is that what you want? No. Well, God forgives it and he forgets it. He has no record. He says that he, he puts it in the depths of the ocean. Psalm 103 verse 12 says, He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. And that's immeasurable. You cannot measure because of the distance from east from west. You can measure north to south, but you can't measure from east to west. Romans 4 verse 7 says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Joy. And, and, and if you got joy, I'm going to tell you, you got something a lot of people don't have because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Genuinely. Yes, what joy for those whose sin is no longer counted against them by the Lord. The Lord doesn't count your sins Against you. And listen to this passage. Isaiah 43, verse 25 says, I, yes, I alone am the one who blots out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. God says, I will blot out your sins for my sake, not for your sake. He's your father. He loves you. He's crazy about you. And he says he'll blot out your sins for his sake and he will never remember them anymore. So if you got that phantom sin syndrome, God wants to remove it forever and you forget about your past and enjoy what he has provided for you. Uh, there's a Spanish story of a father and a son who had become alienated from each other. Very, very bad terms. They weren't speaking, and the son ran away, and, and the father set off to find him. He searched for months to no avail. Finally, in a last desperate effort to find him, the father put up an ad in a Madrid newspaper. The ad read, Dear Paco, meet me in front of the newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. On Saturday, 800 Pacos showed up looking for forgiveness and love from their fathers. Can you imagine how many people want forgiveness? They're desperate for it. They want love and they want forgiveness. And we're also desperate for the, the love of our father and for the forgiveness of our heavenly father. And he offers it so wonderfully and so freely. I read a story many years ago. I don't know how it got in the ocean, but there was a little cork about like this that was tossed out into the ocean and the waves took it out towards sea. 
and there were raging storms and there were waves and all going on all the time. And some whales came by and saw it floating there. And this big old whale came by and lifted up his tail that weighed like a ton. And he slapped the cork and went down under the water. And then it just popped back up, came airborne for a second and landed back on the water. And the whale hit it again. And he knocked it down and it came back up. And the whale breached the surface. And he came down with his full weight and he hit the cork and knocked it deeper than he never knocked it before. And the cork just came back to the surface. There were some other whales with him there and they were playing this game of knocking it down to keep it under. And every time the cork came back to the surface. And the cork said to the whale, he says, I'm not made out of the stuff that sinks. I will always rise. I'm not a quitter. I will always rise. I will always rise. I'm going to tell you, greater is Christ who is in you than the devil that's in this world. And you will always rise when Christ in you. Changes everything. The resurrected, the risen Savior, when he's in us, it changes everything. And what I'd like to do, I'd like to give you a cork. So when you're leaving in a, just a few moments, I'd like everybody to stop by and think. Let me see if I have a, enough of them here. There's probably about 1,500 more of them in there. But we, we need to take that and we need to put that there somewhere. It's like, I don't give up. I don't quit. Because the transformation that Christ made in me, he's forgiven all my sins. Now, if I was carrying all my sins, I would probably sing. You ever had people trying to put you down? We're not made out of the stuff that sings. Because Christ has forgiven us and greater is Christ in us than the devil that's in this world. And you find a place to put a cork where it would remind you you're always going to come back up because of what Christ has done for you. And Christ rose from the dead and there will be one day when we all shall rise and we will see him face to face. That's what he tells us in his word. Let me just read you one more verse here. And this is found in Romans 8, 37. It says, No, despite all things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Overwhelming victory. Now, what we'd like to do is just to pray to declare our faith to God on this resurrection day, to declare that Jesus is our Savior, to declare that he did rise from the dead, to declare it, maybe for the first time, and if you already know him, would you just reaffirm what you already know as we pray together? Would you pray with me right now? Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. I believe that you love me. I believe that you love me. That's why you sent your son Jesus. That's why you sent your son Jesus. And I believe that Jesus gave his life for me. And I believe that Jesus gave his life for me. He took the beatings. He took the beatings. He was crucified. He was crucified. And he gave up his life. And he gave up his life. On the third day. On the third day. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And I open the doors of my heart. And I open the doors of my heart. And I welcome Jesus. And I welcome Jesus. Into every area of my life. Into every area of my life. As my Savior. As my Savior. As my Lord. As my Lord. As my soon coming King. As my soon coming King. As my magnificent obsession. As my magnificent obsession. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen.